He was a morbidly obese surgeon destined for an operating table and an early death. Now he's a rebel MD who is fabulously fit and fighting to make America healthy again. This is Stay Off My Operating Table with Dr. Philip Ovedia. Welcome back to Stay Off My Operating Table. I'm here with uh, heart surgeon, Dr. Philip Ovedia. I'm your host, Jack Heald. And today we're talking about metabolic health. I've heard that word metabolism my whole life, Phil. But to be frank, I really don't think I know what it means. What is metabolic health? That's a great question, Jack. And it's one that I, uh, you know, get often. And the first thing is the first thing that I think everyone should understand is that metabolism and metabolic health aren't quite the same thing. So metabolism simply refers to our body's uh, utilization of energy. Uh, so we, you know, eat primarily, and that's how we get our energy. And the body can do a couple of different things with whatever, you know, inputs, whatever energy we're giving it. Whatever, um, whatever it, food we eat. Whatever food we eat, okay. essentially. It gives it, you know, it can uh, use that energy to, you know, just kind of get us through our day-to-day -day activities. Uh, it can use the building blocks that are in that food uh, to build and rebuild our tissues, um, realize that, you know, almost all the tissues, all the cells in our body are constantly turning over. And then it can put a certain amount into storage. And what metabolic health ultimately comes down to is the body correctly partitioning the energy into each of those uh, categories. Okay. So when we're eating, we're, we're bringing in energy that's got to go to different functions. All right. So how does the body make that decision and how does what we eat affect that decision? Yeah. So ultimately, you know, the main thing that helps the body make that decision is uh, a bunch of chemicals that kind of go around in our body, what we call hormones. And those hormones, you know, instruct our organs, uh, you know, things like the liver and, the, you know, the gas, the, the, the stomach and the intestines uh, that all kind of play parts in all this, as well as our fat cells, which are actually an organ in and of themselves, uh, in terms of what we're going to do with all of this, you know, food that's coming in, all of this energy that's coming in. And it turns out that depending on what types of food you eat, different levels of these hormones are going to be made. And therefore, that's going to direct, you know, control what happens with the energy coming from that food to a large part. Okay. I want to make sure I understand what you just said. The food you eat affects which hormones your body produces? Correct. Correct. So well, that is not what that I, I didn't know that. Okay. So give us some examples. Well, the most important example is a hormone called insulin. And 
and uh, many people have heard about insulin. Uh, you know, anyone who is uh, diabetic certainly knows all about insulin. Um, but uh, insulin, it turns out, is probably, you know, the most or at least one of the most important hormones controlling our metabolism and our metabolic health. Uh, and when we eat certain foods, in particular carbohydrates, so those are starches, those are sugar, um, you know, things like wheat and flour and cereals and, uh, you know, even a lot of vegetables, uh, which have carbohydrates in them, that is going to cause insulin to be produced in higher amounts than, say, foods that are only protein or protein and fat kind of mixed. Essentially, fat causes no insulin to be produced, and protein causes a little bit of insulin to be produced. Ultimately, insulin tells our body primarily to store energy. So to take the food that we've just eaten and primarily turn it into body fat for storage purposes. So when we're eating carbs, our body is triggered to store those, store that food, store those calories for future use instead of, instead of energy now or uh, rebuilding our, our cells, rebuilding our tissues. Have I got that right? Correct. Correct. So why, why do carbs do that rather than uh, protein or fat? Well, you know, that probably comes down to our uh, evolutionary history. Um, and when you look, you know, prior to our recent history as humans, so prior to about 10,000 years ago, realize that, you know, we've been humans evolving for millions of years. And... You know, the thought is, is that carbohydrates um, and specifically, you know, that largely came in the form of fruits, uh, you know, again, back before we were really processing food and making our own food, uh, carbohydrates were a signal that it was a certain time of year, you know, what we would now call basically oh. summer, summer and spring, and food was more abundant because we had the, you know, mostly animals that we ate at the time, protein and fat. And then these carbohydrates would come on every once in a while. But once they went away, there would now be less food available. So we would want to have storage so that we could deal with those times that there was less food available. That makes so perfect that, sense. Yes, that's, it makes perfect sense how it evolved. The problem is, in modern day times, for most people in most environments these days, food is always available. And carbohydrates in many different forms are available year round. Uh, and we have the fat and we have the protein that we've always had available to us, uh, even, even in more abundant amounts without having to put the effort in that we used to to get it. We no longer have to go out and hunt for our food and grow our food and harvest our food. We just usually hop in our car and go get food. And uh, so that has kind of hijacked that system. So metabolic health has to do with hormones. The most important hormone is insulin. 
what is it that causes us to not be metabolically healthy? I mean, obviously, as I, as I think about what you just said, if we're over-consuming carbs, then we're telling our body to store fat, and that's making us fat. Is, is being fat just simply metabolically unhealthy? And to flip it around is, if you're metabolically unhealthy, are you also fat? Uh, no. So you can be um, not fat. You can be lean or normal weight and be metabolically unhealthy. And you can also be obese and fat and still be metabolically healthy, although that is fairly unusual. Um, but it is, it is very common, actually, it turns out, uh, that people are not obese, but they are metabolically unhealthy. And that, that comes down to a different aspect of our food supply in modern times, in that there are a few other specific things besides carbohydrates. Uh, that can kind of damage the, um, the, the cellular mechanisms that control our metabolic health. Okay, uh, so let's dig a little deeper. How do you go about assessing, how would, would one of us go about getting our metabolic, the status of our metabolic health evaluated? Yeah. So, um, you know, there are, it's a combination of measurements that can be taken either at home or at your doctor's office. And then there are some key blood markers uh, that we look at, some blood tests that need to be done. So officially, um, you know, there are five measures of metabolic health. Uh, and these are, you know, kind of worldwide standards that are used. And those five measurements are your waist circumference. So this is a measurement you can take at home, and basically uh, just above the level of your belly button, you want to take a tape measure, and you want to measure uh, what the circumference is there, how, how far around it is. And for men, if that measurement is more than 40 inches, and for women, if that is more than 35 inches, then you are considered to be metabolically unhealthy. Wow, just one measurement. Just one measurement is, uh, and, and it turns out that that measurement that you can, that anyone can do at home is probably, you know, the best single predictor of metabolic health. Uh, but there are four other measurements that we take into account okay. uh, for their numbers. So the second measurement is your blood pressure. And obviously this is a very common measurement that everyone gets done every time you go and visit the doctor. Uh, and nowadays you can go check it yourself. Uh, you know, every drugstore, every supermarket seems to have a, you know, one of those automated blood pressure cuffs where you can even order them cheaply, you know, uh, to have at home. Uh, but if your blood pressure, first of all, if you are, have been diagnosed with high blood pressure and you're taking medication to lower your blood pressure, you have already flunked this measurement. Uh, <laughs> but if, if you're not, uh, you want your top number to be less than 130, and the bottom number to be less than 85. 130 over 85 is the limit, okay. Is the limit, so that's measurement number two. Uh, and now measurements three, four, and five all come from blood work that you need to get checked. Uh, so measurement number three is your blood glucose, and that's gonna be your fasting blood glucose. So when you haven't eaten for eight to 12 hours, uh, if the, your blood glucose is over 100, uh, 
that, you know, that's another measurement of uh, not being metabolically healthy. So you want it to be under 100. Lower is better. Talk talk to me a little bit about what that fasting blood glucose is. What's going on in your body? Again, you know, the body uh, glucose, sugar, is one of the primary energy sources for our body. So our body actually turns sugar into the energy we need to run, you know, run all the little cellular things that go on in our body. And so, you know, a certain amount of the sugar is always going to be in our blood. Okay. Uh, and then there are other places that sugar can go. It can get stored in the liver, it can get stored in the muscle, uh, or it can get turned into fat. Um, and, you know, when we're metabolically healthy, we have enough of those storage places that even if we eat, you know, a good amount of sugar, um, it, it's not going to hang around in our blood. Um, the because we, is, because we have places for it to go. Is that right? Correct. Because we have places for it to go. And because our, the signals going on in our body is telling it to go to the correct places. Okay. When our our metabolic health breaks, when we become metabolically unhealthy, you know, we have no more places to put it if we keep bringing it in. And we also don't have the proper signaling uh, that even if we're bringing in lower amounts of it, you know, it's still not going to the right places and too much of it is hanging around in our blood. And then and and it'll it, show up in the blood. Okay. It will show up in the blood. And then, you know, it also turns out that we know that that is damaging to many of the different organs in our body having too much sugar, you know, in the blood. So that's why it's a warning sign, having too much sugar in your blood. Okay, so that's the first of the so three blood tests. That's What's number three. And the other two blood tests both come from the cholesterol panel. That is, you know, very commonly checked these days. And there are uh, two measurements on that that we're interested in for these purposes. The HDL cholesterol, oftentimes called your good cholesterol. And you want that to be higher. The higher your HDL cholesterol is the better, um, which a lot of people, you know, kind of find confusing as well. Uh, So the cutoff for that in numbers is if you are a woman, you want that measurement to be above 50. And if you are a man, you want it to be above 40. Um, And and those are the uh, units that are used in the United States. If you're listening to this overseas, uh, sometimes it's a different uh, system that's used. Uh, but uh, above 40 for a woman, above, or excuse me, above 40 for a man, above 50 for a woman that's means you're metabolically healthy. Yep, that's your HDL. Okay. And the final measurement, uh, which also comes off of that cholesterol panel, is called your triglycerides. And this one you want to be lower. And uh, it's the same for men and women. You want it to be under 150. Uh, and again, those are the uh, standard American units that we're referring to. So you look at those five measurements, and officially, if three of those you know aren't in the good category, three of them are in the bad category, uh, you have what we call metabolic syndrome. Um, and basically, that means that you are not metabolically healthy. But even having one or two of those measurements abnormal, 
predicts that you are on your way to poor metabolic health. And it's, it's highly likely if you have even one of those abnormal, that within 10 years, you'll get to the point where you have three of them abnormal and you're, you're, you have overt metabolic syndrome. So, you know, the goal, everyone's goal should be to have zero of those abnormal. Do you have any idea what percentage of American adults fall into the, the category where they've got zero of five? In other words, they are metabolically healthy. Yeah. So the latest data we have on that shows that 12% uh, are metabolically healthy, meet all five criteria of good metabolic health. Uh, so the flip of that, um, and this is a shocking number to most people, is that 88% of the adults in the United States are not metabolically healthy. Um, because this is 2021, and this is an, a, a, a pertinent question, does poor metabolic health contribute to a poor outcome if you catch COVID? Yes, very clearly. As, as a matter of fact, poor metabolic health uh, is probably the number one risk factor for a poor outcome if you catch COVID. And even, quite honestly, uh, the data would suggest that it makes you, being metabolically unhealthy makes you more likely to catch COVID. Uh, and then once you catch COVID, to get sick with COVID, uh, the wow. less metabolically healthy you are. So in other words, uh, this is a really good time to be metabolically healthy and a really bad time not to be. <laughs> um, yes, this in particular. But the reality is, is that that's always been the case, because even if we go back to, let's say, 2018 or 2019 prior to COVID, and we look at the top 10 causes of death in the United States, seven out of the 10 top 10 causes of death uh, can be related to poor metabolic health. Wow. All right. Well, I think that's a great place to end. Um, you have given me a ton to think about. Uh, I'm going to go uh, measure my middle. and I, I want to be under 40 inches, it sounds like. <laughs> yes, you do. Oh, boy. And I, All right. I would encourage everyone to do the same and to get those other measurements checked as well. Very good. Well, this has been the Stay Off My Table podcast with Dr. Philip Ovedia. If you want more information, we will link that in the notes to the podcast. You can follow Dr. Ovedia at, on Twitter at iFixHearts. And uh, we'll talk to you next time. Chances are you wouldn't be listening to this podcast if you didn't need to change your life and get healthier. So take action right now. Book a call with Dr. Ovedia's team. One small step in the right direction is all it takes to get started. Contact us at ifixhearts.com slash talk. That's ifixhearts.com slash talk.